0: Before I start this week's episode of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast, just the usual note of thanks to Sora Shimazaki at Pexels, who took the photograph, which adorns the cover art. Let's crack on. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Financial Crime Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Kirkbride. It's been a reasonably quiet week this week, which is quite good. You like a quiet week every now and again. There's a bit of news across the main financial crime areas with the usual roundup of cyber attack news at the end. So let's get on with it. As usual, I've linked the main stories flagged in the podcast in the description. Now let's start, as we always seem to do, with sanctions. And this week's Sanctions Roundup starts in the United Kingdom where the Office of Financial Sanctions Implementation or OFCIE, has issued a number of amendments to existing sanctions regimes. The first amendment follows a decision of the United Nations on the 2nd of June and it's an amendment to the ISIL Daesh and Al-Qaeda financial sanctions regime. The second amendment is the removal of two names again following a decision made by the United Nations, only this time it was on the 5th of June. The amendment has been made to the ISIL, Daesh and Al-Qaeda financial sanctions regime. Both notices as well as the updated sanctions lists can be found in the podcast description. In news related to those sanctioned following the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Ofsi has issued two licences. The first relates to the payment of funds by designated persons, their representatives, or legal representatives being granted permission to pay funds to the London Court of International Arbitration, the LCIA, to cover arbitration costs. The LCIA may direct payment of such funds, receive any such funds, and use them to pay for arbitration costs in accordance with the LCIA arbitration rules. The other licence relates, with some exceptions, to the export, sale, production, and transportation of agricultural goods. Links to both licenses are in the podcast description. The final piece of sanctions news from the UK this week is a new statutory instrument which came into force on Friday, the 9th of June. The Republic of Belarus Sanctions EU Exit Amendment Regulations 2023, that's statutory instrument number 616, expand the sanctions regime against Belarus, targeting the country's exports, internet propaganda, and seek to address sanctions circumvention links to the UK government press release, the statutory instrument itself, and the updated guidance as it relates to Belarus can be found in the podcast description. In the US now, the Department of the Treasury Office of Foreign Asset Control, or OFAC, has, quotes, designated seven leading members of a Russian intelligence-linked malign influence group for their role in the government of the Russian Federation's destabilisation campaign and continued malign influence campaigns in Moldova, while also making additions and amendments to its Iranian designations. Both press releases can be found in the podcast description. And finally this week on sanctions, this came in very late in the day, the Council of the European Union has finalised its position on a law aligning penalties for sanctions violations. The directive, when adopted, will introduce criminal offences and penalties. The link to it can be found in the podcast description, or that is, the link to the press release which came out this week from the Council of the European Union. That's it for sanctions now. To fraud... It's been a relatively quiet week on the fraud front this week, but there's at least one prominent story from the United Kingdom, and it is the publication by the Public Accounts Committee, which is a cross-party committee of the United Kingdom Parliament, of its seventh annual report. The report is, being an annual report, it's wide-ranging, of course, as you might expect, but there is a significant focus in the report on the losses caused to the exchequer by fraud, especially our old friend COVID-19 fraud which, to be frank, we report on with staggering regularity in this podcast. The report provides, and I quote, Government has seen increased levels of fraud and error since COVID-19, as it accepted a greater risk appetite to protect individuals and businesses. Some increase in fraud and error was an inevitable short-term consequence of providing support quickly, but government is being too slow to recover taxpayer pounds lost. In total, the report provides that His Majesty's Revenue and Customs, which administered the scheme, estimates that around 4.5 billion was lost to fraud in the various COVID support schemes, but that it is forecast less than one quarter of that sum will be recovered. The estimation is about 1.1 billion. The report is linked in the podcast description if you want to read the whole thing. As I said, it's it's broad ranging and considers all aspects of fraud on the public accounts, not just those which are related to Covid-19. That's it for fraud. Now to, again, a little bit of bribery and anti-corruption news. There's one piece this week, and it comes from the Council of Europe and its Group of States Against Corruption, which has published a report which calls for, quotes determined measures to prevent corruption in Hungary in respect of persons with top executive functions, including the Prime Minister, ministers, commissioners, political state secretaries, political advisors the Prime Minister's agents, as well as members of the Hungarian National Police and of the National Protective Service. Link to the press release and the report are in the podcast description. Now we turn to money laundering, where again it's been a bit quiet but anyway it's good as i said at the start it's good to have a bit of a quiet week we start on money laundering news as we did last week and the week for that before that for that matter with the european union which has announced agreement has been reached on a new set of rules which will make it easier to search financial records in pursuit of financial crime the press release which is linked in the podcast description provides the new proposal would ensure more effective investigations into illicit finance by making it easier to retrieve data across borders from centralised bank registries. It mandates EU member states to ensure that the information from centralised registries is available through a single access point to be developed and operated by the Commission. This way, competent authorities can quickly establish if an individual holds accounts in several EU countries without multiple time-consuming queries. According to the agreement, the format of financial transaction records would be harmonised so that different data formats do not become an obstacle to investigations. Sticking with Europe, where Europol has announced the arrest of one of the most notorious money launderers in the world, the suspect is alleged to have laundered millions of euros every month. The individual concerned is not named in the press release from Europol. Which, of course, is linked in the podcast description. So I suppose we can expect more on this story uh, on this story over coming weeks and months. And finally, on money laundering, this week we come to the United Kingdom, where Her Majesty's sorry, His Majesty's Revenue and Customs (HMRC) has published a list of businesses which have not complied with the Money Laundering, Terrorist Financing, and Transfer of Funds Information on the Payer Regulations 2017. Not a very pithy title, otherwise known as the Money Laundering Regulations 2017. HMRC has a duty to publish such information under the regulations. The link to it is in the podcast description. Now that's it for money laundering. A bit of regulatory news this week before we finish with our usual roundup of cyber news. So in terms of the regulatory news this week, we start with the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK which has announced a fine of £17.2 million for ED&F Man Capital Markets Limited for, quote, serious failings in its oversight of cum trading. These failings allowed MCM, that is the company concerned, to collect fees for trading strategies designed to enable its clients illegitimately to reclaim tax from the Danish authorities. Now, the other bit of news this week I suppose it comes under the regulatory heads, but it's, it's as good a place as any to put it. But it, it's news from Interpol and the United Nations Interregional Crime and Justice Research Institute, which announced this week. It was a joint announcement, a toolkit for responsible AI, that is, artificial intelligence innovation in law enforcement. The document is meant to provide practical guidance for law enforcement agencies in the responsible development and deployment of artificial intelligence, whilst at the same time balancing human rights and ethical principles. The press release, which provides links to all the relevant documents, including the guidance itself or the toolkit itself, can be found in the podcast description now, we end this week with our roundup of cyber attack news. Earlier this week, it was announced that there was a cyber attack on a company called Xplane. The IT company provides services to Swiss Federal and Canton departments as well as to the Army and Customs. The attack is understood to have come from a ransomware group which has published data from the Federal Office of Police and the Federal Office for Customs and Border Security. In the UK, British Airways, Boots, which is a pharmacist and actually sells a lot of other things, but it's started out life as a pharmacy, and the BBC, which is the national broadcaster, are investigating possible loss of personal data following a targeted attack against MoveIt, which is software used by Zealous, the payroll provider. The information believed to have been compromised by the attack includes the names, addresses, and banking details of some employees of the organisations concerned. The cyber attackers have issued an ultimatum to the organisations to begin negotiations on the payment of ransom, unless or otherwise it will leak the personal data which it has on approximately 100,000 people. In other news linked to that attack on that piece of software, the National Cyber Security Centre in the UK has issued an information update about the incident, and you can find the link to that in the podcast description. And finally, on new cyber-attack news this week, the University of Manchester in northwest England is investigating what it has described as a cyber-incident after the detection of unauthorised activity on its network. The university is in liaison with the Information Commissioner's Office, the National Cyber Security Centre and other relevant regulatory bodies while the investigation continues. In other cyber-news this week, it's been reported that North Korea makes around half of its foreign currency income from cyber attacks. The news which is being reported as coming from an unnamed official of the Biden administration follows news earlier this year which suggested that half of the North Korean missile program was also funded by cyber attacks. I suppose if you can't trade lawfully because of sanctions, the money has to come from somewhere. Two more pieces before we end. First, DNV has published its Maritime Cyber Priority Report for 2023, indicating that the industry has concerns about risk to life from cyber attacks. The report, which can be downloaded for free at the link in the podcast description, provides that, quote, 56% of maritime professionals expect cyber attacks to cause physical injury or death in the industry within the next few years. This report follows an uptick in attacks on maritime from cyber criminals over the last 18 months, and which we have reported, of course, in the Financial Crime Weekly podcast. The entire industry will doubtless refocus its approach to cyber over coming months so that fears are not necessarily realised as acutely as they might have been. The second and final bit of news this week is a short article on the Telefonica website, the Spanish telecoms company. The Telefonica website, which is a simple explainer on the types of cyber attack and the moti- motivations which rest behind them. I've linked it in the podcast description. That's it. I told you it was a short episode. That's it for the episode. This episode section. Episode? What am I talking about? Episode 62 of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast. If you want to do so, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you'll hear from me or all being well after that shambolic ending. Next Sunday, the usual roundup of all things financial crime. Have a genuinely great week, everyone.